This is Nicole. And you're listening to Buzzkillers. Yes. We're getting so good at that. We are. We're great at that. <laughs> so, so much better. We're happy. <laughs> I hope you all can hear me because we did a mic test and I sounded funny. But I, I think it's going to work now. So <laughs> it's always good to do mic tests, people. Mic check. One, two. You think it's stupid, but it's not. <laughs> it's really not because all of a sudden you'll get halfway through recording and go, oh shit, my mic wasn't working. And oh then, shit, something was wrong. Yeah, it's, and uh, you don't want that. Trust me. No, because it's <laughs> Man, a hell of a thing to try and fix. We we so. did it once already where we had to, we had like what, like a half hour that episode and we had to minutes. go back. It was so bad. We were upset about we that. We were so but bad. it all worked out in the end. It did. Because we came with a good episode, so whatever, what have you. <laughs> <laughs> so this is part two. Yeah, I love that. Do you guys remember that? Do you remember this? Maybe, maybe not. But um, there was like this MTV thing where they would be like, part two. Does anybody, no. If anybody remembers that, please tell me. Is it from like a show? Or yeah. Like- it'd be, it was like, um, I feel like it was like. It was one of those old shoot, old school MTV things where it was like, you know, the best of the 90s and they would like play co- like cool things for an hour. I don't know, but they always used to be like, part duh. And that's where <laughs> I'm getting that from. So I don't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird. Well, let's say MTV was it had started to fade. It by the time change, I think I was going like to say reality shows and I, I was going to say the most of MTV I remember is at the point or at least when I remember it, it was still some music videos but like I remember like Silent Library oh yeah do you remember Silent Library yeah they had like all of my favorite pop punk bands on that like ever they had like all time low like and forever the sickest kids and they can't yeah laugh, right yeah yeah and they're like in the library and they have to keep their noise level down or they lose and it's like I re- oh, can't get above a certain amount yeah yes, say I yes. re- I remember that that's my that was the MTV I remember oh, that and like gosh. MTV Cribs oh Cribs Cribs was so cool <laughs> yeah, I remember them. I, I, I watch a lot of Gilmore Girls. I really love it. I mm-hmm. don't care. Whatever. <laughs> I like true crime and I like Gilmore Girls. Um, we're, we're a weird breed over here. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like a whole. Well, first of all, they have a lot of serial killer references. And now that we're like, well, well now. <laughs> what am I talking about? Now that I'm in this kind of you know podcasty thing whatever I noticed them more I guess yeah but I did notice them at the time and I was like ha <laughs> a lot of like there's one about the Menendez brothers they mention um squeaky from there's from yeah. the Mason or uh, Manson case well it's just gonna say it's funny you say that because when I was watching Shit's Creek the other day they made a Manson reference yeah and I was so was freaking dying and Ryan didn't get the joke and I was like Charles Manson <laughs> Like the fucking. There's like this whole Gilmore Girls thing where like Rory and Lorelai are like pissed off at each other and like and like Rory's like kind of being like, and Lorelai Lorelai says she's like, can we just be civil at least through dinner and then on your way home you can pull a Menendez, (laughs) and I cracked (laughs) up. I couldn't do it because I just was like, ha ha, they killed their parents. Which is scary. I should not have cracked up at that. But at the same time, I was just like, that's a joke. That's a joke about a serial killer. Wow. I get it, guys. I get the joke. And I've watched a bunch of like uh, interviews with the Gilmore Girls team where like the 
the actual like actresses yeah said that a lot of like there's a lot of pop culture references in this show yeah a lot and they said a lot of them just like went over their heads so like I'm like, do you know who the Menendez brother is? Oh my god, that's Lauren be... Graham. You don't think about it that way, but like, honestly, when somebody pe- else is writing this, and say, they so like they're reading more. these scripts, and it's just like they're they have to try and tell a joke that might not make sense to them. Like that's got to be hard. Yeah, yeah. Like they have to make them for the characters. That's so weird. But there's like these like really I weird pop pop, pop culture references, and at one point she mentions. Um, like Lorelai and they do, they just do it all the time. They That's do. Uh, they mention so one of the weird. Manson girls. Um, they actually have this one where like there's this girl <laughs> that goes to school with Laura, with Rory. Sorry, and um, she's like, oh, Madeline, what are or Louise, what are you doing for um Thanksgiving? And her dad is in jail, <laughs> and <sighs> Louise is like, well, I'm going to the jail to eat dinner with my dad. Um, in the in the trailer that he got for us, and then one of the Manson girls gets it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I just like couldn't do it, and they mentioned like Squeaky Frog, like it's crazy. So it's a good that's show. Actually and if fantastic. you if you think that's kind of funny, if you think those jokes that are funny, which, <laughs> God, I hate that I do, but I do. We had that conversation the other day where we were like, "Why'd that guy do that? That was so stupid." Yeah, and we were like. Mm. It's probably bad that we It's probably about. bad that I'm saying that. <laughs> probably bad that I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say that. I mean, we've had full-on conversations about how to commit the perfect murder, so... Yeah, long car rides to Albany. Because yeah. <laughs> my sister asked me one time and then was like, ew, and I was like, well, you asked. <laughs> you asked, so I answered. Hi, Courtney. <laughs> hey, Courtney. Female ghost bridge. Female ghost bridge. Guys, everybody's been, sitting here going oh my god make it stop make it stop i don't want to hear six minutes of you talking like this anyway courtney's um, in the background laughing her ass off at female <laughs> ghost bridge yes. go watch female ghost bridge on netflix it was funny Seriously. <laughs> it wasn't funny it was actually fucking terrifying it was actually really scary but the translation was funny it, as fuck yeah, the literal translation <laughs> and my sister like just combats her fear with humor so <laughs> It was just lots of jokes. And then that was the whole night where we were like, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. And apparently my nephew did that last night. And I was proud. Yes. We passed it on. Very proud. I don't know if he got it from us. He probably didn't. But it's, I mean, it's from like a popular television show. That we know. We're like, so. we're so proud we passed it on. It's he totally for us. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> anyway, guys. But guys. We got on this long ta- tangent talking about part de. Part de. Yeah, um, part um, part two like trailed off into into nothingness. Wow, that was <laughs> oh follow the bouncing ball. Why don't into you into the um, abyss? <laughs> um, but guys, so it's part two. We're doing part two of so, the Amityville Horror. Exactly. But for what we're going to be doing is for when we record part twos, we're not really going to be wasting away our nice wines. Exactly. <laughs> so Macy and I have um a dual love. Of barefoot Moscato. So we're drinking that. And it tastes like juice and it's really cheap and it's like ten dollars for this giant bottle. Exactly. So thank you, barefoot. And now my sister's really cringing in a corner somewhere I going, Oh my god, you're drinking barefoot. Sorry. I'm sorry, Nicole's sister. <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll drink this proudly. I love barefoot. I say it with pride. <laughs> so we're that's what we're drinking for this episode. So um 
If you want to know the the wine we drank for the first part, it's going to be in or it is in the social media post on um, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Yes. Um, And it's also on our website, I think. Yes, it it will be. It will be on the website. Um, So go ahead and check it out. It was yummy. It was sparkly. It was delish. There was a skull octopus. Yeah, it was a skull, a a skull, skull opus. Yes. I don't know. I, we said we're a lot of weird Oh, things. Skultipus. That was how Skultipus. I said it. <laughs> I was going to yes. say, I called it something. It was close yes. to that. <laughs> I want to draw Skultipus now. Yes. That hey, Erin. <gasps> I know you listen Aaron. to this. You're good at art. Please draw me a Skultipus. <laughs> I want a Skultipus. I'm uh, going to post it on our page. Please draw thank, it. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> I'll pay you for it. Commission. Commission time. Commission. Sorry. So Anyway. Um, <laughs> We drank that really cool wine while we were doing part due or part. Uh, sorry, part, uh. <laughs> part, uh, which was um, about the original Amityville horror, the murders of the DeFeo family. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're actually going to talk about the experience, the paranormal experiences of the Lutz family. I am going to just do like a brief little bit about what the case was about last mm-hmm. week just like little little bit catch up just catch up if you haven't you know listen, like you um, should. like previously on previously previously buzz on killers buzz killers <laughs> um <laughs> so we talked about um ronald defeo jr um we called him butch and he was like a really greedy little spoiled brat kind of a kid yes he was <laughs> and he had obvious mental problems that his parents just placated with money and gifts and then he became so greedy that he killed his entire family in cold blood one night in november um november 13th 1974 specifically i just remembered that off the top of my head i didn't even look proud of you so proud of myself (laughs) um so and if you haven't listened to this part i'd suggest it please do because there's some like things that kind of come in later that have to do with the case so you should listen um he is in jail obviously for all of this um and yeah is there anything else i should mention do you think i don't think so okay i think we're good um but i watched a bunch of documentaries on this on the haunting at um, 112 ocean avenue um and one of them was actually with daniel lutz who was one? Who was is? Sorry, is one of the sons of Kath, Kathleen Lutz, her biological son, and George mm. Lutz's stepson. Okay, so like actually talked to him. There wow. are all of these interviews with the parents, all of these interviews with them, yeah, but none with the kids. And he said, "I thought this um, quote was interesting." Um. He was, this whole thing was an unfortunate gift in my life. An An unfortunate gift. I have issues with that. Yeah. I like, why why is it a gift if it's unfortunate? I was going to say, I would say an unfortunate circumstance or like, I don't, gift is just because like you think a gift and you. Yeah. Yeah. A gift is a good thing. Normally. Apparently this was, according to him. And obviously, according to the Lutz family, this was very traumatizing and um, painful. So, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, like I said, um, George Lutz, um, he's kind of like one of the big, his name is going to come up a lot. So, like, don't forget about him. 
obviously this whole thing is about him but <laughs> and his family but um he's important mm-hmm. so just remember he's important and he'll come keep coming back in their theories about why this is happening okay yeah so uh. okay okay um he is obviously not the lutz children's biological father Mm -hmm. i think he is some of like now like they had kids together yeah the original kids that were at the home at the time he was not their father he was their stepfather um and he was introduced into the family and he was kind of like a very well-to-do guy Mm -hmm. um and kathy had obviously been married before but when george and kathy decided to get married george like daniel says that george kind of struck up this agreement with kathy's ex-husband where like he would only marry kathy if he could like legally adopt the kids and like be like they are my children yeah and so he um wanted to legally adopt them and apparently this was fine with the biological father he was cool with this but um interesting george and kathy got married on july 4th of 1975 Mm -hmm. okay which is when right after um ronald defeo's trial trial okay like his he got sentenced in november i think but they get married in july of that year um and and 13 months after the after the death of the defeo family the lutz family purchased the DeFeo family home at 112 Ocean Avenue for $80,000. And we talked in the last episode about how big this property okay, is. Okay, so guys, seriously, if you haven't looked it up, it takes negative two seconds to type it into Google. This house is a mansion. It is fucking huge. Three stories. And they got it for, and it's on the water too. They got it for $80,000. Yep, and. My soul. Obviously, this was a drastically <laughs> low price due to the. Um, murders. Murders. Mm. And um, they, the couple was told about the history of the house, but mutually agreed that that would not dissuade them from purchasing. Um, and so they also asked the realtor if the DeFeo's furniture could be included as part of the deal. So they get the house and basically all of its contents for eighty thousand dollars, except for probably the beds that have bullet holes in them, yeah, but no, it's fine. I don't fine. think those were still there. I don't think Christ. those were still there. Um, so George and Kathy and their three children, Daniel, who was nine at the time, um, Christopher, who was seven, and Melissa, who they call Missy, um, was five when they all moved into the home. Okay. Um. When they purchased the house, a friend had like kind of been like, oh, you should get like there's this like, you know, nasty history. You should get the house cleansed or get it, you know, blessed. Yeah. By the church. And um, so they ask this priest and I got several names of this man. So. I'm not really sure what his real name is, but there was a priest that came to the house. Okay. And apparently he's in some, like, I got one name from, like, the actual court case, but, like, they changed his name so many times and all, like, the dramatizations of everything that, like, I just was like, what the fuck is his name? I don't know. Yeah. Um. So I'm just going to call him the priest. <laughs> this man. Um. He comes to bless the house. And he says that while he was doing this, he... And he was not with George and Kathy at the time. Mm-hmm. He was doing this walking kind of around by himself. Yeah. He heard a voice scream, get out, and then was slapped violently across the face. Ouch. 
Um, <laughs> but did not mention this to Kathy or George while he was there. That's um, weird. Within a week of living in the house, um, Kathy says that her like hand was touched by some invisible something force yeah <laughs> thing um and then on december 24th 1975 so like not very long after they've moved into this place mm-hmm. um the priest called that had been over and told them to never sleep in this particular room in the house and it was the sewing room and they actually say this is where a lot of the um activity happens and this is where his experience apparently occurred this is really ominous yes um, the call, according to George Lutz, was riddled with static. And he could barely hear anything he said and was cut short by the phone, just like freaking out. It was a spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, shortly after this, they begin to smell strange things. Oh. Um, and they start experiencing cold spots around the house. Um, and I'm just going to kind of list some of the stuff they experienced. There are some, there are going to be some places where I go into detail because in this documentary with Daniel Lutz, he goes into detail about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was some stuff where I only like, I mean, I read it in the book, but like, yeah, it's just like stuff they experience. Yeah. Who knows if it's real. Um, so apparently George Lutz was like awoken in the middle of night and he heard like a marching band downstairs, like so much noise. He thought a marching band was like marching through his house. That's Um, weird. The (laughs) rugs would like get all rolled up somehow. Interesting. Um, Like I said, they had cold spots and hallways and rooms. Um, They kept checking the furnace. Do they have pets? A dog. Okay. A dog. Um, They do have a dog. Um, They kept experiencing cold spots and they would go down to check the furnace and it was working. It was fine. Yeah. Um, but it would be like 20 degrees difference in like a few steps. Ah. Yeah. Um, they had an experience where the garage door was just opening and closing on its own. Um, I read in some places oh. that it was like violently. And then I read in some places where it was like normal. So I just said it was opening and closing. <laughs> Um, so I'm trying to picture a garage door opening and closing violently. Well, they didn't have, I don't think they would have had the Was like, it things like, to open it automatically. That's true. Maybe they might have had that technology. Garage doors they are rich people. So. Well, not heavy. the Lutzes, but the, like, the DeFeos were. Those are heavy doors. Yeah, they're heavy. That's crazy. So it was weird. Um, And then Missy, the daughter, mm-hmm. reported seeing a pig-like creature with red eyes staring down at her. And Daniel says this also happened. Like he also saw this entity with George. Um, while they were outside. Trying to fix this garage door. And then when they ran up. Um, there was nothing there. Except like a chair. Like rocking back and forth. They. Okay I'm sorry. They they ran after the creepy red eyes. Yeah. Well because it was in Missy's room. And they were like, oh, my God, is Missy okay? And so they go running up towards it. And the, the room was, there was nothing there. Okay, I guess if somebody's in there. I was going to be like, these bitches just chased a demon. 
like well, I mean, casual. If, my, if I thought there was something in my kids' room, I'd be like, "Shit!" Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess that's good. I'm like picturing just like some random room, and they're just like, "Let's chase a demon." Let's <laughs> chase a demon. Down. No, I think they were literally like, like "Shit!" There's fuck, something in her room. There's, there's Missy. There's something in my kids' room. Um, this creature would also speak to Missy. Mm-mm. Um, that's when I leave. George. Nope. <laughs> George um would also wake up. And find Kathy levitating off of their bed. Um, Holy crap. Both the sons, Daniel and Christopher, also levitated off their beds. Um, And then they said, and I found, I could not find, I found like a couple of instances where they talked about this, but they didn't go into detail. And then thankfully when I watched the documentary with Daniel Lutz, mm-hmm. it, um, it went until he he talked a little bit more about this, but they said that the Lutz's dog, whose name was Harry, yeah, tried to hang himself, and I was like, "What the fuck does what? that mean?" I'm and, sorry, a dog. Yeah, so apparently he was like tied up behind this fence, and he tried to jump over the fence, but his leash was too short and attached to something, and so he just started dangling from off the <gasps> fence and was, like, being choked by his leash over the fence. I don't think he would have done it on purpose. Well, he was barking at something and ran after it and then started choking. So, uh, yeah, it was weird. Um, Poor baby. And this, they said that this happened within the first hour of them moving in, that the dog started barking at nothing and, like, freaked the fuck out. Uh, um, nope. George... Would wake up at 3.15 every morning feeling anxious and restless. And he, like I said, would hear marching bands and odd noises. Witching hour. Um, George got very sick at this time. He was like not himself. He was going through personality changes. Um, mm. And they also said so that this it, it was kind of interesting because George got like mean or meaner and angrier. And oh, no. Kathy um, had this feeling of peace and like never wanted to leave the house. That's creepy. Yeah. I almost think that's creepier than getting like the rage issues. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about, you know, George. George got more aggressive and could never get warm. And that's why like the furnace was like a problem he would go down there and be like why the fuck is this thing not working yeah um and then there were obviously other subtle personality personality changes within the whole family but general generally it was short tempers and violence wow they would all get really angry with each other but it mostly affected george um kathy says at some point she was embraced by something that was unseen yeah Um, Oh, no, thank you. And this was interesting. They talk about this a lot. Swarms of flies would be found in certain rooms. No. Mind you, they move in in the dead of winter. How the fuck does that happen? That's disgusting. Um, Danny said in the documentary that he would go in there with like a newspaper and try and smack the flies down and he'd come down to show his mom how many he killed and then there wouldn't be anything on the newspaper anymore. Oh, nope. Um, they would hear <laughs> screams and footsteps at night. Um, the children started talking about experiences they were having. 
we'd all be sleeping in one room in the <laughs> same bed with all the lights on. Um, George Lutz <laughs> said that there were weird stains and spots that started to appear on the carpets. Ew. He said the toilet water would run black. Ew. Um, he said at one point that their china turned black. Their like dishes? Their plates. Why? I <laughs> That I was kind of like... Mm. Okay, and here's one of these instances that I'm going to talk about a little bit more in depth because Danny actually talks about it in this documentary. I highly wa- remind, recommend watching it. It's really interesting. What's it called? Um, hang on, i got to get to the bottom of it. I'll just interrupt here and just make you lose your place. It's called My Amityville Horror. Okay. Where, um, where did you end up watching it? I bought it on Prime. Okay. I think. Um... It wasn't on Netflix or anything. wasn't free. No. Uh, shit, I lost my mind. <laughs> I knew I was going to make you oh, lose your place. Go, here Sorry. Go, okay. <laughs> there is an instance that Danny talks about in my um, my Amityville Horror called, um, well, called, <laughs> where Danny says he was at, at some point thrown up the stairs by something. In up the stairs. Up the stairs. That's interesting. He says that he got into a fight with George and started to stomp up the the stairs because of something and he says he and this this home if you look at pictures of it it's three stories Mm -hmm. so he got to the landing on the second floor um and then was projected up the stairs and up on the wall um ow what kathy (laughs) kathy was behind him at the time and danny said he no longer had control of himself um, That's terrifying. This is all happening. He's up on the wall. He's kind of fallen down. And then Kathy starts jumping around because she feels like something has touched her. Oh, God. Then, then Danny says he felt like something entered through his body and he heard a voice in his head saying, it is you. The fuck um, does that mean? <laughs> it's yeah. so ominous. No. Yeah. At, and I, I think everybody, I mean, you don't know about this because you haven't seen the movie no, we've not. or anything, but um, <laughs> they talk a lot about this um, slime that would come out of the keyholes and of the door frames. And they said that it happened in the bolt, boathouse. There was like a lot of poltergeist activity and they called it poltergeist puke. And it would like Ew. run down the walls. It was like green slime. So like it's ectoplasm, but god damn it, poltergeist puke is the grossest yeah, name I've call it that? ever heard for um. that. <laughs> <laughs> so Kathy says that sometime after they took down the Christmas decorations, all hell broke loose. Um, she said that uh, some sort of stench filled the house. Danny's hands got slammed in the window in the sewing room <gasps> um and his fingers were smashed on both hands oh oh my hands hurt no. um no <laughs> it took george kathy and his brother with a family friend to get the window off his hands oh um oh. and then kathy went downstairs to grab ice cubes and everybody's following um and they had a side door on the house and it slowly opened and there was nobody there. I'm like, okay, everybody back upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and Danny said that a spirit came in through the door. It bumped into Kath, um, bumped into Kathy and then it walked through his hands and somehow knocked down a, a knife that they were using to make peanut butter and jelly earlier. And then it sat down at the table 
And when it when they all looked up, it was gone. Like when they looked over at it, it was gone. Oh, that's so weird. Um, and then when he looked at his hands, they were fine. It like healed him. Mm-hmm. Except like he said, he still has like one little pinky that's like weird. And he like showed it. Yeah, watch this documentary. It was good. So bizarre. Um, so on January fourteenth, nineteen seventy six. Ten Jeff- days after my birthday. Yes. <laughs> and and not wait, you're not- still fourth. Yeah. So only a couple days after my anniversary. Because mm-hmm. her birthday and my anniversary are like similar days. Yes. Um, so on January fourteenth, nineteen seventy six, just twenty eight days after live like moving in mm-hmm. they the Lutzes fled leaving most of their behind but most of their bl- belongings behind I mean, technically it wasn't theirs anyway um they yeah, bought, they, yeah. they bought all the, the furniture <laughs> um they moved in for a short time um with kathy's mother mm-hmm. and they said at some point they called a mover to pack up their belongings and he reported no activity while on the property hmm um, the Lutzes do not like talking about what happened on that last night. Um, and they've never given a full account of the events because they say really? it's too terrifying. Yes. Um, they let the bank foreclose on their house and like, wow. basically ran out in their pajamas, didn't bring anything. And then eventually they move across the country at some point. Wow. Publicity becomes huge and I'm going to get into this. So okay. they end up, they end up settling in California. Yeah. That is literally across the country. Yep. Shit. And, um, and if you guys didn't know, this happened in Long Island. <laughs> yeah. Amityville is in Long in Island. Long Island. <laughs> um, and this is something that Danny said that at some point, George and Kathy, after the movie and the book and stuff, received some sort of advance like a big advance for um, doing a year-long promotional tour for Ah. the stuff. Um, And he said, I never found this anywhere else. It was just in the thing with, in the documentary with him. He says that he was dropped off at some sort of Catholic monastery school during this time and that he got beaten there and they would perform exorcisms on him. What? And he tried to run away multiple times and he had no communication with his family while he was there. Now, I have a question. Did they like hop in the interview over to the family and be like, where did you think he was during this time? No, because the Lutzes are dead. They are? Kathy and George are both dead. Wait. We haven't gotten there yet, have we? No. Okay. They're both dead. Um, oh, shit. Kathy, Kathy died of like a mysterious illness, which I'm going to talk about. Okay. And um, George died a couple of years later. Um, okay. So they did not hop over to him and talk about it. Uh, I get it, it now. Was just <laughs> Daniel talking about it. I was just going to say, like, why wouldn't they just immediately go to the other family members and be like, where? Well, but they didn't talk to the other brother and they didn't talk to Missy either. It was just Daniel. Weird. Yeah, so it was weird. So that's why I was like, I'm going to mention this, but I don't know Say anything it, about I mean, whether it's... That's you know, almost like the documentary I watched about Diane Downs, where like the, her actual children that survived, Danny and Christy, 
they refuse to talk talk, about it. They don't want to talk about it. They won't. They like every interview is declined. Like nobody knows where they are. Like people, they like, they're like, we don't want to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. So Danny says that like at some point, like his early teenage years, he like left the house. Mm hmm. And that's when he says his experiences with whatever was happening with Amityville finally stopped. He thinks that he's had like bad luck or like not bad luck, but like it's been attached to him this whole time. Yeah, that negative energy. Yeah. So there are a couple of major players in this thing, and I'm going to talk about them all individually, but they all kind of intertwine so it might get confusing i'm sorry in advance it was all very confusing but i couldn't figure out a better <laughs> but you'll way. do your best and we'll I figure, couldn't it out. <laughs> figure out a way to better organize my notes so yeah hold on you got this so the first one we're going to talk about is william weber he is the defense attorney for ronnie defeo i remember that name you who, told me to remember I it i told you to remember the name <laughs> he goes back um the lutzes contact william weber who's butch's attorney very soon after they flee from the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tell him all about their experiences. And they wanted to know if there was any evidence that came out during the trial or the investigation that could help them. Yeah. In some way. Um, William Weber at that time was writing a book. Hmm. Or wanted to write a book about the DeFeo murders. Yeah. Um. And he wanted to discuss in this book whether Butch was a cold-blooded killer, a, uh, a criminally insane person, or if he was actually possessed, like he claimed. Because if you listen in the first part, we talk about how they tr- how Butch tried to say that he was possessed by the devil when he did all this. Yeah. Um, the Lutzes were led to believe when they were talking to Weber about their experiences and everything that, um, what they were doing was going to somehow maybe help Butch get psychological help. Mm -hmm. Um, and that maybe their experience might hold some clues as to what happened to him. Yeah. And whether that was true or not. Um, but obviously that was not what was happening. Both the Lutzes and the and um, Mr. Weber have their own accounts of what happened. I'm going to tell it kind of the way Mr. Weber sees it mm-hmm. with a little bit of the Lutzes in there. Yeah. So um, Weber claims that um, he revealed key evidence from Butch's trial to the Lutzes, um, which would eventually play a part in the book. Okay. Um. They were hanging out between 9 p.m. and 3 Mm a.m., drinking multiple bottles of wine. Um, Photographs of the crime scene were shown to them and lots of details that, you know, were revealed about the case. Yeah. Um, And it actually developed into the story to the book about how the Lutzes perceived their possession, the possession. Okay. Um. (sighs) there is this so there's this reporter that comes in kind of later her name i think her name is laura but miss didio that's what i'm gonna call her (laughs) miss didio (laughs) i don't know why i wasn't expecting that name i'm sorry for (laughs) laughing but that was (laughs) um apparently and she's like the the one reporter who basically got like the scoop 
from the Lutzes. Oh, so okay. So she's like, she doesn't have like any real big to do with like, she has more to do with Ed and Lorraine Warren yeah. than with this. But um, apparently George Lutz had taken like some sort of recording of this meeting with Weber where they all talked about this, this stuff. Yeah. And he played it for her. And he prefaced it by saying, I'm not particularly proud of this. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> it's just kind of weird. Um, Mr. Weber talked about how there was, like, how there was blackish green fingerprint powder on the doors mm-hmm. um, th- that he showed the, in the photographs that he showed. And that eventually became um, the slime coming through like oh and like okay he was like like george lutz was like oh can't you see the slime and it was like literally just like powder yeah it was like the powdered Mm -hmm. like fingerprints and um he showed pictures of the third floor bedroom which was don's room Mm -hmm. and there were dead flies all over the room and then because she had been dead in there for a couple of days yeah and they took that room in the story and always had flies, the swarms of flies. In yeah. It. Um. So they supplemented the facts with kind of this like storybook kind of thing. Interesting. Um. And then Didio thinks that after they kind of so sobered up, they felt mm-hmm. guilty about having this conversation. Yeah. Um. In the tape, William Weber says, "We can get movies, books." percentages and cut deals um so he like really wanted to like profit off of the story yeah with with ronnie defeo and them yeah it was interesting. um so at some point he sends a contract over to the lutzes to use their story in his book um but the contract mentioned that ronnie defeo jr mm-hmm. would also be receiving a percentage of the profits from what? the book. Because he is interviewing Ronnie for this book. Yeah. he's his lawyer. So he's going to get, also gets a contract and gets money. Oh. Um, they are not happy about this. Yeah, they I break, wouldn't be they either. They try to break their contract with him, but he contacts them again about a press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and said if they didn't participate, that he would send reporters to their kids' schools and start trying to talk to them about it. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Um, so in February of 1976, it's February 16th, 1976, they hold a press conference about their story, um, which they say they did not want to do. They were very kind of adamant from the beginning that they did not want the publicity interesting and so like all of these weird things happen it's kind of like did they do it did they not do it yeah um and then eventually like a bunch of investigations happened and the lutzes are like just tired of all this attention and they kind of go underground um (laughs) okay and they break all contact all contact with him after this press conference okay um later on weber sues them um, over the ideas for the book in the movie. He sues them for their ideas? 
Well, because he says that he revealed all of this evidence to them and that they are using it for profit and he should get some sort of the cut. Okay, I gotcha. Of this. Um, Still fucked, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> he said they stole his ideas um, and he participated in the creation of the story um, and claims that his ideas were used for the book that he was going to use in his own book. Um, and then I, like I said, five to six hours, they had shared a bottle, many bottles of wine and that they had fabricated the whole story for some sort of commercial venture and that they profited off it and he didn't. So fuck them. Okay. Um, that's fucked. And then that priest ends up coming back. He is ordered to testify in court for William Weber. Wow. Um, and he swears that while he was in the house, he did hear a disembodied voice say, get out. Um, but <laughs> he cannot confirm or deny any of the other experiences in the home. Um, yeah. Obviously. So, and so Weber believes um, that the Lutzes always planned on capital- capitalizing off the DeFeo murders. Mm-hmm. Like from the minute that they came into contact with the home, he thought that yeah. they'd been planning something. So this is William Weber. That's what happens with him over the course of this story. Okay. The next guy we're going to talk about, there's a little less about. His name is Steve Kaplan. Okay. He um, is the founder of Long Island's Parapsychology Institute, Institute of America. Wow. Okay. Um, George contacts him. George Lutz contacts him very soon after they flee the home. Um, and he in- invites him to investigate the home. All right. Um, because he's a parapsychologist. And three days later, he calls and fires him. What? Yes. So he calls him, hires him, and three days later, he fires him. Fires him. That's fucked. Um, he, uh, George was apparently very upset about a quote that Kaplan had given um, to the press about the investigation. He had told Kaplan that he wanted absolutely no publicity. So okay. he was pissed that he even spoke to the press about this. I understand that. Um, and then he 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 didn't, I guess, fire him. He like postponed the investigation. But yeah. He and um, but then Kaplan finds out about the Lutz's. Like, okay, so the he finds out the next day that the Lutz's held a press conference on the day that he got called to be fired after they fired him for talking to the press yes but remember Uh. that weber said i'm going to send reporters to your kids schools if you don't do this yeah so like it all gets kind of messed up i feel like a lot of it is just like misunderstanding yeah Um, it's all a little freaking ass backwards (laughs) so like i said the the press conference was organized by william weber who was the lawyer Mm -hmm. was butch's lawyer who was also handling one of butch's appeals at the time oh um he was representing the lutzes now in this press conference even though like the lutzes didn't want anything to do with this Um, oh my god and he calls off he and he's george also says that he called off steven's investigation um because he later found out that he was not a a parapsychologist he was a vampireologist which is very different those are quite different Um, (laughs) how do you fuck that up (laughs) 
Like what? I have no clue. Um, very shortly after this, Kaplan tells a Long Island reporter that the whole damn thing is a hoax. He never got to investigate. Okay. So how the fuck does he know if it's a hoax? Yeah. He doesn't. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I'm like sitting here and like everything out of my mouth is just like an exclamation. Because I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. There's so much happening. Lux, Lux claims that Steve Kaplan said to him at some point that Channel 7, who is like a is like a Long Island news well, channel. Yeah, like a local news channel. Is was going to make him a star. Um, <laughs> and like I kind of said before, Ed and Lorraine Warren come into this at some point. Oh, I can't wait. And Ka- the and <laughs> Steve Kaplan and the Warrens have like a bitter rivalry over this. Really? Because they are adamant that this is a real haunting and he is adamant that it, it was a hoax. Okay. Um, Interested to see both sides. And they do several radio shows to, like debating this mm-hmm. together. You can hear like a little bit of the audio from it. It's cool. Yeah. Um, and to this day, I mean, Steve, Stephen Kaplan is, has passed away. Um, but I, they, I watched a lot of documentaries with his wife and they are adamant mm-hmm. that the Warrens are phonies and this is a hoax. Were Ed and Lorraine in any of the documentaries? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really cool. <laughs> I was going to say, because I know today that they have both, but they've both passed, but I, I know that this was happened a while ago. So yeah, that's happened. actually yeah, they were really cool to know. Happened. Yeah. So now we are actually going to talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yay! Um, Ed Warren said in one of the interviews that I did see with him, there was, a, I think, one of the doc, or maybe two of the documentaries were after he had passed. Okay. But one of the documentaries he's in, and it's the two of them together. Uh, that's cool. Um, Ed said about the house, this was no ordinary haunted house on a scale of one to ten. This was a ten. Christ. That's what he that's what he says about the Amityville house. I still have that picture stuck in my head. You showed me one picture. Oh my god, guys, we're gonna post this picture. I'm gonna talk about it, it in a few minutes. The freakiest picture it, ever. It's I'm freaky. like waiting for you to get to it, but I'm just like I'm so like it's, it's freaky. ingrained in my mind. It's freaky. <laughs> um so here comes Laura. It was Laura! Oh yeah, I was right. <laughs> I'm doing that a lot today. Laura Didio is this aspiring mm-hmm. reporter at the time. And she calls the Lutzes and mm-hmm. says, like, you need help investigating your home. I want to help you. Yeah. And um, basically gets the scoop from them. Um, but George had two rules for her involvement. Okay. Um, one, she could never go into the house alone. She could and she could only go in with reputable, like a team of reputable parapsychologists and mediums and whatever. Good. And two. I mean, that's smart. He and the second rule was that they that she had to respect their privacy. That yeah, I mean those make sense. Mm-hmm. So she agrees to these terms and introduces them to demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um. And then on February twenty fourth, nineteen seventy six, they investigate with a news crew, and they do this a couple of times. Okay. Um, Lorraine said that when she went into the house, she immediately felt sadness and depression, like a horrible tragedy had happened. And Ed said that he had at some point in this time in the home, he encountered an inhuman, an inhuman presence. Um, 
Lorraine said that she felt as if she was under a heavy waterfall. Oh, he, sorry. What am I talking about? Ed said, sorry, he felt this <laughs> inhuman Paris. I was like, that doesn't sound right. Ed said he encountered this inhuman presence on his walk somewhere, somewhere in there. Yeah. And that he felt as if he was under a heavy waterfall with pressure weighing him down this whole time. Ugh. Um, when he commanded it to reveal its identity, it like he felt electricity going through his body. Yep. Um, and he said, this, um, this is no ghost. It's not just a haunted house. It's demonic forces. Um, and one little quote that I was I thought was funny, Lorraine at one point is like talking about how they're demonologists and how they've done so much of this stuff. And like they have all of this, they have like, you know, this big crime museum and like the, with the haunted dolls and da, 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 yeah. And she was like, and Warner Brothers has the rights to our life because they have the conjuring. Yep. Which is about them. Uh-huh. And there's, um, what, The Conjuring 1, 2, and 3, and then there's also, like, Annabelle 1 and 2, and then there's The Nun, and I feel like there's another one that I can't think of right now. Yeah. <laughs> Laura Didio said something really interesting, that when they first met with, like, Ed and Lorraine to go do this, mm-hmm. George would not even step foot on the property. Really? He met them at the property line. Interesting. Um, and... They said there was like this horribly foreboding type of feeling and that the house was infested with something other than human spirits and that the home was like most likely possessed. Um, I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, channel 5, which was the the Another channel local. that Laura Didio worked for, was okay. the local TV station that came with them. And they found a group of psychics. Um, and other para- parapsychologists to go in with Ed and Lorraine. Yeah. And um, they film this whole thing. And so they go in again on March 6th, 1976. Mm-hmm. And people start behaving unusually. In what um, ways? <laughs> there was a cameraman named Steve Petropolis. He started having heart palpitations. Oh, my God. He climbed the steps and suddenly stopped and had to put they had to put everything down because he started to like. Holy shit. Sick. Yeah. Oh, that's, um, that's like, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. In the sewing room, which was apparently where, um, the room where they weren't supposed to sleep, the, the room where they weren't supposed to sleep. <laughs> um, Lorraine Warren was in a trance and she said, um, there was a demonic force in the room from the deepest bowels of the earth. That's cool. Um, and, and that the demonic force is apparently strongest in this sewing room. I'm sorry. It's like, it's kind of scary, but like my brain is like, that's fucking cool. Whoa. <laughs> I love Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> she said that she had never felt such a force before and she felt like she was in hell. Holy shit. So during all of this, these couple of times that they go here. I couldn't tell if it was like the first time or the second time that they did this. If you know, tell me. It was very confusing. The timeline. I was like, when did they go in? I know they went in twice. Um, But they were, they were taking pictures on this camera that was set to take pictures every couple of minutes. Yeah. And this is the, where they catch this really crazy photograph. Um, They take a picture and there is a boy seen coming out of one of the rooms peeking his way around the banister i have chills um he there were no kids in there were no kids in the house that night 
mm-hmm. while this was happening. And there was nobody on the floor at the time. Guys. It literally just, looks like there's a child. Literally. There's like, like no mistaking it. You can Google this photo. Like this isn't like, oh, there's a slight shadow in the corner. No, like there is a full blown child leaning out of a doorway and there is, it is unmistakably yep. a child. And she showed me this photo and I nearly pooped my pants because it is fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, I'm, like if you can, as long as you're not driving right now, like look up this photo because it's scary it's as fuck. Scary. It's scary as fuck, man. Um, Lorraine and another psychic named Mary Downey began walking the house. Lorraine said she got this overall kind of sad impression. And that when they got to the second floor, both of the psychics could feel the remnants of the DeFeo crime. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Downey said that she saw the face of a little girl in a, win- in a window and heard crying. And there were two younger girls that got killed there. Got killed, yeah. Um, And that there were like hooded monk-like figures walking across floors monk-like figures yeah that's weird (laughs) um they did a seance during this investigation and um again lorraine said she thought that there was a demonic spirit from the bowels of the earth not just the defeos yeah left from the murders Ugh. um so Lorraine and this other psychic named Mary um, said that they could see bodies lined up with white sheets all over them. So obviously the DeFeos. That's creepy. Um, I don't like that. And Lorraine (laughs) at some point during this interview says, um, I hope, well, during, I'm sorry, during like the interview at the home. Yeah. um, In the documentary, she said, I hope this is as close to hell as I ever get. Ooh, that's Um, a, that's a statement right there. Mary Downs at some point says that um, she was like using holy water to cleanse the home and that um, you could hear it sizzle like it was on a hot stove Mm -hmm. in the home when it touched stuff. Um, And Ed at some point took a crucifix, um, but then he was stopped quickly by like this gust of wind. Um, And he said that whatever was there was like a legion of demons. Oh, my God. Um, there was another psychic that was there that became ill during the night and had to excuse herself from the home. Um, and there was a reporter there, not Laura, there was Laura Didio, but there was an, also another reporter named Marvin Scott who said that he didn't feel anything was in the house and he didn't think that anything eventful really happened. Mm-hmm. But the psychics felt like they did. Yeah. Um, and like I said, they have these photographs of the child peeking around the room. But nothing really happened for the TV cameras. Yeah. Um. And so, you know how I had said that Missy was like talking to things and like that little like, or like the pig kind of a thing. Yeah. Like she, kept, she began talking to like spirits. Just fucking weird. George said that he at some point showed that picture of the child peeking behind the banister that mm-hmm. um to to Missy, and Missy said that that was the little boy she used to play with there. Goodbye. Nope. I'd so, be out of there so fucking fast. <laughs> so that is the Warrens and their experience there. There is another person who comes into play here by the name of Hans Holzer. 
And he is a very, very renowned parapsychologist, apparently. What? Why are you laughing? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Han Solo. <laughs> no, Han Holzer. My ass is such a nerd. I heard Han and I was like, <laughs> Solo? <laughs> um, According to Hans Holzer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just immediately pictured fucking Harrison Ford. <laughs> Walking through this house with a goddamn like lightsaber. They're like, we think there are ghosts here, and he's like, I know. <laughs> Let me go get Chewy. <laughs> anyway, so according to Hans Holzer, Weber William Weber contacted him to investigate the home. Mm-hmm. William Weber denies this. Really, I don't know what's true or what's not, but he apparently contacted him in January of 1977. Um, Holzer believes wholeheartedly that butch was possessed by something in the home really um and in january january of january 13th of 1977 holzer visits the home with laura didio and um a, a deep trans medium i don't know what that is Interesting. By the <laughs> i've never of, heard of that yeah i don't know what it was either um and thankfully some like um, I was watching it with subtitles. So I was like, what the hell did they just say she was? And it like read it. Um, she's a deep trans medium. Her name is Ethel Johnson Myers. She said that the house was built on a sacred, 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 sacred. a sacred, um, the pocket of my jacket or the pocket of, the my, pocket of my sleeve. I said really fun, something really funny the other day. Sorry. Um, that was the pocket of my sleeve. Um, <laughs> Please remember that we are recording both part one and two in the same day. So we're like, <laughs> we have hit bottle, the of end of bottle number two. And so we're getting giggly. <laughs> but yeah, no, Sorry. the other night at the party, we, we took a bunch of candy and Macy went to put it in her coat and she like, she was going to put it like down her sleeve just so she didn't forget it. But like, she was trying to like combine that with pocket and it just like i'm going to put this in the pocket of my sleeve she literally walked past me and she was like i want to put it in the pocket of my sleeve and kept walking and i was like what 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 (laughs) this is like the pocket of your sleeve (laughs) um (laughs) anyway (laughs) ethel johnson myers like what a name that's she a nice says name. that the house was built on a on a sacred Indian burial ground, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, "The Indians didn't bury." Like when I watched one of the documentaries, they were like, "Indians didn't bury their dead near water." But then I watched like another part of this do- same documentary where like an actual like person from like an Indian tribe yeah. was like the. Like, the fucking land has changed so much. Chances are it could have totally been an Indian burial ground. And it was far away from the water I was just when gonna, they did it. I was just going to say, I mean, it's a little, like, geog- geographically different. But, like, that's, it's something similar with Cape Cod is what, like, I grew up on Cape Cod. And my mom did, too. And, and she used to tell me that, like, you used to be able to drive down the beaches, like up one side of Cape Cod and back. And now the water has come in so far you that you anything. can't do anything like that anymore. The water is so much farther mm-hmm. further in. So like, and back, at this point, this this house is like a beachfront property I, and I was or a waterfront say, property. And so you know, the eastern coast of the United States, we've the water has come in significantly, come in, definitely. And so it is 
entirely probable that that was not a waterfront property when at the, the time when the Native Americans mm-hmm. buried their people there. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's stupid. Sorry. Yeah. So Hans Holder Hans Holzer says that there were photographs taken during this inv- investigation that show paranormal activity. He showed it in one of like the documentaries. I just thought it was like a blurry blob. But <laughs> I mean, if you've seen this picture, tell me if you see something hmm. in there. Because I was like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> um, they they s- continue this investigation at the Historical Society in Amityville. Mm-hmm. And um, they say that a skeleton of an Indian chief had been discovered on the property in the early 20th century. I don't know if that's really gonna... true, but okay. Is there um, like a record of that literally anywhere he else? Says that, he says that he found it at the Historical Society, but no one from the Historical Society like confirmed this in like the documentary. That's that would have been so, the first thing I did. I would have shown up. I would have been like, his- let me get this part yeah, on the whole. I would have gone to the Historical Society and be like, hey, so they're saying. <laughs> do, do you have this here? Because anyway. like that would have been that would have been a big big deal, and they probably would not have let them build there. Right. Or like continue to live there if that if they found out something that historical was there. Yeah. Um, so like they go like I said, they go in on January thirteenth. Um, and apparently Weber was there too. So like he said that he'd never contacted Hans Holzer, but like it kind of seems like maybe he did. I Han don't know. Solo? Hans Holzer. <laughs> Sorry. Han Solo. I thought I said it wrong. I was like, did I say <laughs> No, I'm very um, much I'm just very much stuck on Han Solo. It's fine. <laughs> they said that when they went into this place and like said that there's a skeleton there and da 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 um, Ethel went through like a crazy physical transformation. They said that she suddenly developed an Adam's apple. What? And started talking in... A, oh, I wrote this because it was funny because I'm a singer. Um, <laughs> began talking in a strange language. And her voice dropped several. And this is what the lady said. I wrote I wrote it and then I wrote LOL afterwards. Octaves. Octaves? <laughs> it is not octaves, people. It's, it's octaves. octaves. <laughs> Even I know that one. <laughs> so I am... They said that her voice oh dropped several octaves. And she says at this time that they found that she says that there's a chief buried on the property and somehow they magically find this at the historical society. Mm. Goddamn Han Solo and his octaves. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So after this investigation, Holzer is convinced that um, Butch was under the influence of this Indian chief spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, Here comes Steve Kaplan again. They question this. Um, they think that Holzer is mixing like truth with fiction where like maybe there was some sort of Indian burial ground and maybe they did find the skeleton, but like they they are adamant that it's a hoax. So they don't think anything happened. Gotcha. Um, they, he had he also had a book contract lined up um, and was very invested in the story being true. OK, Um. And many of his theories have been um, disproved. Um, there is no Indian burial ground there as of right now. Um, there is not mm-hmm. um, <laughs> because they didn't bury their dead near water. But then you know whatever. Yeah. But they say that there's no Indian burial ground there. Um, and 
Holzer also claims that Kaplan tried to insert himself into Holzer's investigation. Like he wanted to investigate so badly. Yeah. He called Holzer and was like, let me come with you. And when he said no, Kaplan turned against him and was like, you're a fraud. This is a hoax. Oh, oh God. <laughs> um, he Holzer believes that the house is not haunted, but there is a spirit that resides on the prop resides on the property who wishes to speak and that he speaks through certain people. Interesting. Um, what proof does he have of that? I don't know. What? No, there is none. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it doesn't sound right. And I literally <laughs> found this so funny because, like, at some point, he's like, like, I was, ta- I was talking about how, like, William Weber, like, says, I did not invite this dude. I thought that it was, like, like he thought it was somebody else. But yeah. like, Hans Holzer says it was Weber. Um, he says, sarcastically, in this documentary interview, that he's found ghosts in every house he's ever, every house he's ever visited. That doesn't sound right. So, I mean, I guess, I guess if that's what you're known for, and you're called in to investigate the paranormal, normally there probably is going to be some kind of spirit there. I guess that would kind of make sense. But at the same time, I feel like there might be a few every once in a while that are like, "I have a ghost." And it's not, not real. It's not real. Or you're putting energy into something that's not. That was like, um, there is actually an episode of Ghost Adventures where they call in the Ghost Adventures team and they actually go to a person's house. They do it every once in a while when things get pretty bad. And this person claimed that there was this thing like terrorizing them and they had all this footage and all these things that happened and the entire night they were there, they couldn't get anything to happen. Like, uh-huh. absolutely nothing. And everything that they had caught on camera was, like, just at the end of it or, like, just off camera so you, like, just couldn't see what ha- was happening. Like, Yeah. So it was just... If something's terrorizing you, it's going to fucking come Yeah. Out. And it was, like, they had one bedroom where they claimed, like, oh, the spirit spray-painted the walls. And it was, like... What? Yeah, it literally, like, said, like, 666. And it was just... It was a little too far-fetched and... It's, like, a little too convenient. Yeah, and it was, like, something that they the local news stations had picked up because they like made it such a big deal mm. and that's why ghost adventures got involved and they went and they experienced nothing and they were like mm, sorry uh, did you see that meme the other day i saw somebody on instagram had posted it where it was like um here are all the demons da, 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 da. and it was then in the next like it was like here's this scary place and then the next thing was <laughs> <laughs> She's just laughing. Zach Baggins. <laughs> oh, God. Zach Baggins. Um, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> he, he was, there was like a picture of him saying, is it Aaron? Is that like his one? He yeah. was like, Aaron, you go in there. Yes. And somebody was like, poor Aaron. He always gets like forced into these they, situations. He does it to him. Okay, oh uh, girl, I got to get you to sit down and watch some ghost adventures with me because. I thought they were stupid for a while. They they honestly, funny. honestly, sometimes I think they kind of are and they're a little far-fetched, but they are hilarious. I love how they like and literally they like actually shit. Well, <laughs> and the, then they're like, Whoa! And sometimes they actually get shit that freaks me out. That's like the thing that I love is like they're so over the top. But at the same time, I love them. And then there that is like the one running joke with the show is from the start. Any Aaron is terrified of things. He like doesn't like being left alone. And Zach will be like, Aaron, go ahead and 
like you go in that room and I'm going to go over here and he'll like wait till Aaron goes in the room and literally like lock him inside. That's so mean. He like he does it to him quite often and then he'll be like he'll just be like so uh, oh there's activity in the basement Aaron you know where you're going tonight by yourself. And he like sends That's him places so mean. all the time by himself. Vegas, what are you doing? And people are like, Jesus Christ, leave poor Aaron alone. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Where it was like, poor Aaron. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so just to sum up here, Ed and Lorraine believe that something is in the house. They uh-huh. believe it is possessed. Yeah. Um, it's, Steve Kaplan believes that it is a hoax. Okay. And um. Hans Holzer believes that there is some sort of um, Indian spirit Han on Solo. the property. Han Solo, yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep this up. So I'm also going to talk a little bit really quickly about the book and the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Amityville story, the whole Lutz's story kind of... Whoa, what the fuck? My <laughs> notes just moved on their own. That was scary. Um, <laughs> the whole story kind of came out on the coattails of The Exorcist. The book and the movie of The Exorcist. Interesting. I've never seen those either. Um, And it came out in 1973 <laughs> and then 1974. Okay. Um, And the they called it The Exorcist Phenomenon because people were like literally obsessed with this. Yeah. Um, they said that it provided a stepping stone where the Amityville story could like grow. Yeah. And could like become multiply like huge. And be huge. Um, so Jay Anson writes this book, mm-hmm. which is in... D- the the Lutzes do have a contract with him. Yeah. This. Um, and he says it's nonfiction. He says it's a true story. Okay. Um, he strikes the seal with the Lutzes and it's published in the fall of 1977. And word of mouth and then like this also this national publicity campaign mm-hmm. that we talked a little bit about earlier makes the book an overnight sensation. Wow. It sells over one million copies. No, did you read this book? I read parts of this book. Okay. Um, It was kind of long. I, say, I, know, <laughs> I, I know you read, I, you told me you were reading like a couple different books for this, so I wasn't I, yeah, sure which ones. A couple of, but I wanted to like kind of get, for their haunting, I wanted to like talk about a mixture of what they talked about in the book and then also what they talked about in articles and stuff like that. Okay. So um, I read certain parts of it and I, I plan on reading the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. I just did not get a chance to finish. <laughs> but I felt that I had gotten enough. <laughs> um, so he, like, so Kaplan claims at this, at this time that this is still a fraud. Yeah. And his wife in one of the documentaries that I watched said that the paperback and the hardback copies had completely different stories in them. What? So their stories keep changing. The Lutz's story keeps changing. So between the release of the hardback and the paperback, it changed yeah. drastically? That's crazy. Enough to where people were like, what? Um, Is this proven? That she just said it. I don't think it's true. Okay. I was going to say. because She like- said that their stuff kept changing. And I was like, well, I mean, it's a book. And Jay Anson only has a contract with them. He doesn't really have to write. I was going to say because exactly what they want him to the, say. They, would, they say that they don't really. And if like he that. were to write another version of it, there would. There would have to be another contract. It, would, it wouldn't be the same title. It wouldn't just be the difference between a paperback and a hardback. It would be like it would be a whole different thing. Like, yeah, I could. That kind of doesn't really make sense. That said that. But she said it. So I thought it was of note. Interesting. Um, 
Jay Anson actually, in an interview, claimed that people who had received the manuscript had, like, bad things to happen to them. Um, he said oh. that he turned it over to his editor and the um, the editor's car caught on fire. <laughs> he gave it to a friend um, who went through a pothole and sank. His car, like, sank. And, like, like... <laughs> <laughs> like well like a sinkhole almost more like I mean a- maybe he said pothole but he meant sinkhole but because that's kind of crazy but he said that the car sank and that the only thing that was dry was the manuscript in the car I call bullshit yeah me too and he <laughs> said that he had a friend who he gave the manuscript who died in a fire shortly after receiving it <laughs> show me the evidence so uh, there are some people who have like tried to prove and we're going to talk about whether this whole thing is true mm-hmm. or not in a minute. Um, and what the many theories are about whether it's true or not. Yeah. Um, he was confronted, confronted Jay Anson was with evidence that possibly proved that the story was false. Yeah. And um, he said that he didn't care. That he just wanted the money. Um, and everybody says that the Lutzes were like out to like capitalize on the DeFeo's, you know, murders or whatever. Yeah. Jay Anson made millions of dollars off this book and the Lutzes only made $250,000, which is still a lot of money. But in comparison, yeah, that's not a lot of money. That's not a lot compared Um, to what else there is. (laughs) So... He, like I said, he published this book in the fall of 1977, and by July 27th of 1979, the first movie is released. Okay. Um, the movie took way more embellishments of the story than the book. Did. Most of the time, they do. I watched an interview <laughs> where the producer, like, literally said that they didn't care about embellishing the story; they just wanted to to make a good ghost story for people. That's about, that was kind of like when I watched the possession with the Dybbuk box. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they take like three actual facts and then they just like turn it over into something completely completely because they want to make it a scary ghost story. And it's half of it's not even actually true. They say based on a true story because it's got two real facts in the like two hours. It's, (laughs) (laughs) um, so the first movie makes $80 million at the box office. Holy crap. And it's a summer smash. Um, and then eventually, like later on, there is another movie in it. I I, I think it has Ryan Reynolds in it. No, he it does plays not. George Lutz. Yeah, I'm pretty sure from what I remember. Um, the second movie came out. That one took even more embellishments, and the Lutzes ended up suing MGM over it. Really? Because mm-hmm, they were like, "This is not true." That bad? Yeah. Oh my god. Um. Okay, so this is the last little bit, guys. I'm going to talk about whether or not this may or not be true. Bring it on. Bring it on. Um, <laughs> I'm so ready. One thing of note that like Daniel mentioned in that documentary I was talking about. Yeah. George used to introduce himself as the Amity guy. The Amity guy? And was proud of it. He was the Amity guy. Oh my God. What? It is Ryan Reynolds. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. <laughs> Sorry, I like, I know I should have believed you, but. He just like does such funny movies. I can't see him yeah, in a yeah, horror he movie. It. He did it. Um, so one interesting thing of note is that in June of 1997, after the movie is released and all of this stuff, American International Pictures, which is the company that produces 
the Amityville Horror, the first movie. Yeah. Um, asks George and Kathy Lutz to take polygraphs. And they pass. <gasps> really? They pass. Ooh. Um, Kaplan and his wife claim that they wanted... Um, well, they claim that they um, took the polygraphs with the star tabloid, which George and Kathy claim is not true. Okay. Um, And that... The star tabloid was paying the cap or pay, pay, paying the Lutzes, sorry, for a, st- a story on Amityville. All right. Um, the Lutzes say that this is false, that they only wanted to take the polygraphs with the most qualified people that um, American International Pictures could find. And yeah. And they took them with um, Chris Guggis. I don't know if that's how you say his name. God it's bless G- you. G-U-G-U-S. <laughs> Guggis. Guggis. And Michael Rice, and they are considered that at that time they were considered possibly like number three in the country for this to, wow. to do polygraphs. Okay, I think I'd do that too. Um, people have said that the Lutzes had been having legal and financial issues at the time, um, and they that and that they had told this story to make some sort of money. They just bought an eighty thousand dollar house on the water. Their life savings was wrapped up in the in the house on one twelve Ocean Avenue. Um, why would they just fucking pick up and leave? Yeah. This wasn't true. They did not profit in the way that others profited from the story. Um, I mean, they did. They did profit a little bit. Like I said, from the book, they got Mm $250,000. But like, like I said, Jay Anson made millions of dollars off of this book. Yeah. They did not make a lot of money. See, so compared to that, that's, that's nothing compared to that. Yes. Um, William Weber, like I said, he says that they talked all of this out over wine and that he gave them the ideas and diddly do. Diddly do. And diddly do. <laughs> and um, there is a theory, like I said before, that Kathy and George were in financial straits. And so they con- concocted the story to help them with bills. Um, but they were not in the house long enough to fall into any sort of financial problems. Mm-hmm. Um... And it was, but it is possible that George and Kathy had been scheming from the beginning. It doesn't seem to me like they were doing this for financial reasons. They fired Kaplan because of the publicity. Yeah. They did not want to do the, according to George and Kathy, the um, press conference that ended up happening. The only thing that they did was sign on for the book. Yeah. And they only made $250,000. Compared to what everybody else made. Compared to what everybody else made. It does not seem to me like there was any sort of financial, like, remedy because, uh, to this problem, because they let the, like, like, they let the house foreclose. Yeah. They just were like, fuck this place. We want out. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I mean, but it is possible, I think, maybe that they were scheming from the beginning. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but it's possible. Um, one interesting thing that I found out from a couple of different sources okay. um, was that George Lutz was a non-practicing Methodist, but he also had an interest in the occult. Really now? Yes. A um, <laughs> couple of interviews with Lorraine Warren say um, that she thinks that George somehow triggered something by being open. 
I mean, that's that would make sense. Um, <laughs> and it's also also possible that there was previous activity already in the house because of Butch. That maybe even Butch had been possessed by something. Wow. Um, and that because Butch also had mental issues, yeah. he was susceptible. But because George was open to the occult, he was susceptible. That's crazy. Um, there, um, in, the de- in December of 1997, there was like another psychic that went to the house. He, there wasn't very much on him. His name was um, Ron, Ron Mangravite. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> He said that he walked through the house and that there were that he felt that there had been a ton of ritual magic going on. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows that that's true? But um, he said that there was black magic being done in the house and that the residual side effects were the psychological hallucinatory experience experiences that people thought were real. Wow. Okay. Um, and that they were not real, but they were paranormally induced. Um. I watched when I watched the thing with Danny he said that on his bookshelf um George had books on transcendental meditation Buddhism which I was kind of like Buddhism doesn't have anything to do with the occult but okay. uh, not at all Buddhism <laughs> satanic history mind control oh and, and hypnosis oh Jesus Christ <laughs> um, and Lorraine said in one of her interviews that certain people can trigger things and that George yeah. She, like I said before, beliefs. If she you believe enough and you're open enough. Um, and she said that she believed that the more dysfunctional the family became, like the Lutz family became, and this kind of makes sense for the DeFeos, the more dysfunctional the family became, the greater the activity became. Jeez. So the family was open to this, da 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 and George Lutz opened up a door for paranormal to happen. Yeah. The DeFeos... There was fucking abuse mm-hmm. and the problems with Butch opened up something for it to come in and take him maybe. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. God. <laughs> um. So Danny even believes that the entity followed him off the property when he like he would skip school at this time and he believes that it would like follow him around. That's um, scary. Ugh. Danny said that George could control people and objects with telekinesis through, through thought projection. But I was like, a little far fetched. Like you might be a kid, just a kid. Though, yeah. That. Um, and he said he witnessed George do this before moving to Amityville. But I was kind of like, mm. I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, I was kind of like, okay. There was a um, professor of psychology from US, from UC Irvine named Elizabeth Loftus who ended up talking in the documentary with Danny. Mm-hmm. And she said that people can exaggerate what they've experienced and they often fill in the gaps with other information from other places. So she says Danny tells the story in a way that makes it seem believable. It's so detailed. He's so confident and he expresses it with emotion. But Danny had had at the time by his parents been soaked with suggestion. Yeah. So she thinks that maybe it wasn't happening the way he said it was. Mm-hmm. And like like the Kaplans have said, the story changes in each of the articles that they do. The Lutzes claim that they were misquoted by the media, but which could happen. It definitely but happens. Like, <laughs> it happens every time. That seems strange. Yeah. Ugh. 
I don't know. <laughs> so the Lutzes at some point had recorded audio tapes where they were talking about specific events, events that happened in the house in detail, mm-hmm. but they couldn't remember times or dates. Yeah. Specific times or dates of things. And you think that like, that's something you would remember. Yeah. Um, and like the original articles don't say anything about the Lutzes seeing full apparitions. They say just noises. They heard noises. Um, but then eventually they get into this thing where they're not fit, like doing this. They're not experiencing this low level psychic phenomenon anymore. They're, they're seeing a floating demon pig and you know, like, like they're showing a picture to around the, around town of Missy. So like, like, so here's like Missy drew a picture here. I'm going to talk about this. Okay. Missy drew a picture of at some point, um, of what Jody, the demon pig looked like. Yeah. That's what she called this demon pig with red eyes. Jody. Jody, the demon pig. Um, she drew a picture of it and it was shown around to the neighbors by this crew that says they can prove that this is not true. Um, then there was a neighborhood cat that Butch had called the pig. Um, and it was really fat and it would hop, hop up in the window that Missy was in, what was sleeping oh, okay. in. And it would stare. And all of the fame, all of the neighbors knew about this. And when they showed the picture to the neighbors, they all were like, oh, the cat, the cat, the pig cat. Interesting. So like that kind of debunks something maybe. Yeah. And then um And two, I mean, you've you've seen the reflection of cat's eyes. Sometimes they do. They look They look red. They look red. So I that I could believe that. And then also the infamous flies, the swarms of flies. Yeah. Um the, the this in this crew that came to investigate and like debunk stuff mm-hmm. said that um the DeFeo's bodies were Finally removed from the home after they had died after 48 hours. Oh, yeah. There's going to be flies. And the home was all closed up. And then when the heat, when the winter came, the heat came on. Uh, and so that's where they think maybe the flies came from. They like were already in the house and they were maybe hibernating. And then they turned the heat on. And that's yeah. how the flies came in the house. Um, God, like this whole thing with like, did they do it? Did they not? Who knows? It jumps all around. Um, there was a, there was a program where Kaplan and, where Steve Kaplan and George Lutz debated each other. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Um, and Lutz claimed that the window had slammed down on Danny's hands. Uh Uh-huh. And that they took him to the hospital. Kaplan mentioned in this article getting subpoenas. Uh Uh-huh. Of those. And then Lutz changed his story saying that oh well we didn't actually take him to the hospital oh, oh what yeah okay hi medical records exactly <laughs> so like what the fuck <laughs> and then the window was later tested by this de- de- these debunking people and they said that there was like a defect a defect in the building design where if you stepped in a certain place it would like release release the window and it would oh. open and then if you stepped away from it it would slam down on your hands oh ouch you and so like okay so did that happen did that happen did they just not know about that yeah and so who knows um eventually at the end of all of these things 
there is a couple named Barbara and John- James Cromarty. <laughs> Cromarty, Cromarty, maybe. They are the people who bought the house after the Halutzes left. Okay. They said that there is no evidence that the house is haunted. They have not experienced anything. They don't live there anymore. It's been through several different owners. Okay. Um, But they said that their life got turned around because after the book came out in the movie, hundreds of tourists flocked to the house to well, see it they yeah. started taking things from the house taking things from the lawn like bell gunness shit oh my god or was it the benders where no they did it, that? They it was them. both they, they it was took both stuff from their house they, they took shit stuff from the house they sued like the book come the book publication company jay ants in the movie the lutzes everybody they could think of um for invasion of privacy did they did they win i don't know well it was settled the, it was the, it so was they sad. paid him off. They, they, they got paid off. Um, oh, okay. They said that they were harassed. Oh, I believe a it. Long time, and then they eventually settled for an undisclosed sum, and yeah. they moved out two years later. Good for them. So I can't even imagine what it'd be like to live in a place like that, somewhere that's, oh. So guys, that's the story of. The Amityville Horror and the DeFeo murders. That's fucking crazy. I don't know what to fucking think about this house. I think it is totally possible that there is a spirit there that only influences certain people. I could see that. And like they say demons can do all sorts of fucking things. And it doesn't help. Well, that's not really what I meant to say, but. If George Lutz really was dabbling in the occult and really was into that kind of thing, if you are open to something like that, it is almost like an energy portal. You Yeah, you're like a beacon. Yeah, like you believe so it can be real. It can draw from your energy. But if like You can create poltergeists and shit. Exactly. Manifestations and shit. And I'm sorry, what was the name of the last family that lived there? The Cromerties. Cromerties. And just like they probably moved in there and were like, this is all hoax. This is bullshit. Like, and they just didn't believe they're they didn't not believers. And honestly, if you're not a believer and you don't give it the energy, it's not going to show itself. It's not you're not going to see things that way. And it, I, I, I would believe that there might be something in that house. I think there might be something. I think there is. I think. Well, probably not to the extent of which the Amityville movies. Remember when I said I think people, that like, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I think that maybe something did happen to them right. there, but then it got exaggerated by like so mm-hmm. many times having to tell it, and then the media being like, "Well, the story needs to be juicier." Yeah. And like you know, there are so many things that can influence that type of exactly. Stuff. But it's like one of the most documented hauntings in American yeah. history. And I'm, I mean, just the fact that Ed and Lorraine Warren went there. If they say, I feel like if they say it's haunted, I have to be like, it's haunted. If Ed and Lorraine Warren came up to me and they were like, your bagel is haunted, I'd be like, I can't eat this. It's haunted. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, would, I can't eat this. If they told me something's haunted, I'd be like, well, shit, it's haunted. Okay. I won't touch it. No, Well, I I mean, I, I tend to believe them. Yeah, so. they're, I, I'd say they're very credible sources. I don't know. I think that Steve Kaplan was just a bitter man who kind of lied about shit and yeah. was like, I didn't get to do it, so I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to be pissy. And I think that Hans Holzer, <laughs> I think that there's probably some sort of entity, but I'm not, but 
those kinds of entities can possibly show themselves to you in any way they want. Mm -hmm. So they could be doing whatever. Yeah. And I, I, so I do think, and if you see, guys, you see this picture with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, that the picture is it's terrifying. scary. It's. Do not like that photo. It's scary. It's terrifying. And so like, I just have to believe that there is something there that maybe influenced Butch because he was impressionable. Yeah. And maybe influenced the family because George was open to it. Well, and on top of it, he was. He was beaten. He was like terrified of his so afraid. And when you're in a position like that, you sometimes have a habit of just saying, help me. And you don't know who you're talking to, but you just openly are like, oh, my God, somebody get me out of this. Somebody Somebody help me. me. And then and, there's something good that's like, okay, and, or bad. Sorry, not, I think I meant to say there, not good. <laughs> there could be either. I mean, it, it could literally just be like, well, there's our door. Like, you don't you mean open the it, door. but it happens. So I think that's possible. I think that it's possible that there is something that is influenced by the energy in the home. Yeah. If there is somebody who could be possibly influenced or somebody that could be possibly um open yeah to what's happening it'll show itself but if you are not open it doesn't care and i mean the lutzes had children children are far more susceptible to things because they don't know they don't really understand the difference of what's real and what's not that's why they say kids have so much more experiences when it comes to the supernatural because they haven't been shown all of the CGI in Hollywood and all of the fake things that there are out there. So they just see a little boy running down the hallway and they're like, my friend. Yeah, they're not like, um, this is scary. Yeah, like, oh, that's and freaky. Like, <laughs> because there was a nine-year-old boy that was killed in that home. Yep. And that fucking photo looks like a nine-year-old it looks fucking like a boy. boy. It's fucking creepy. We have the chills right now. I mean, I wish... I, I, Oh, do you know what we should do? We should maybe put up a picture where it's like a picture of John. I think it's John William. I think John William DeFeo, the youngest, Uh next to that picture and see if they look alike. I haven't looked to see if they do, but I I think they will. Have you seen photos of them? Like, are there pictures there of those are kids? pictures of them. <laughs> oh, guys. Oh, anyway. We're going to try some shit here. <laughs> Tell us your thoughts on Amityville. What do you think? Do you think it is a horror or a hoax? I kind of think it is somewhere in the middle. I think, I was going to say, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think it's. It's just like the DeFeo murders. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Did, did Dawn have something to do with it? Did she not? Who knows? It, it's not. It's not movie horror like the it's movie show us, but it's. It's definitely, I wouldn't say it's nothing. I wouldn't go as far. I mean, like, yes, okay, you can debunk. The fact debunk. that they took polygraphs and they came back as truthful. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so yeah, yeah, okay, you can debunk the cat. But that doesn't change you can literally any, everything else that happened. You can de- debunk maybe the green slime or, like, yeah. you know, the window opening and People, closing. People, yeah, like, but that doesn't... Mean that nothing happened. Yeah. So... I definitely think that this was just like really, really blown up by the media. I do too. Which we know that they can do. Oh, they're so. very good at that. <laughs> anyway, just but tell us what you think. We want to know what you think because. Yeah. I think that it's somewhere in the middle here. I do too. I think it's possible that he could have been influenced by something to do that. I could, I could see that. I really could. But it seems like 
he told some really far-fetched stories. Yeah. So, I, I'm i still, for Butch, I'm still on the storyline of, I think he had help. You think it might have been friends. Mm-hmm. I think his sister came into play with it somewhere. But I don't really know. I don't think he was alone. I don't either. There's no way. I think it's too it's too difficult to keep six people quiet with that loud ass sound. I just don't think that works. Yeah. I don't. But I do think that maybe something happened to the Lutzes and the whole tragedy that happened and the fact that he was influenced like by the occult and all that stuff could have totally played into some sort of manifestation of yeah. some sort of activity. Whether or not it was what we read or see is different yeah. in the movies and in the book. But, okay, guys. You got a two-parter! Yeah, I'm so proud guys. of this first two-parter. Tell me what you think because I really want to know your opinions. I like it. I really don't know what to <laughs> think about this case. My mind is like all again like, what? Yeah. I haven't looked at those notes in like, like 24 hours. And then I was like, wait, oh, God, I forgot how, like, crazy this is. I would love to, like, I wish it was, like, a normal thing that you could have almost, like, like a club, like an after-school club. And people that are interested in this kind of stuff could get together. You tell everybody to, like, review the sources, review the case, and everybody comes together and talks about their opinion. Because I would love to sit with just a group of, like, 15 to 20 people. Yeah, like-minded individuals. Everybody that gets to, everybody that's told, go on Google, find what you can and read about this case and come to us with what you've got. And everybody just discusses. Yeah, discuss with us. Because I would so love to hear other people's opinions on things because sometimes my opinion, your opinion, that's just two people. Like, and there could be so much more out there that we don't know because, I mean, we're one, we're when we do research, we're one person. There, there could be so much more out there that we don't know. Like, we don't see either. Like, and we could not even, like, there could be something right in front of our face, a theory that we're completely just missing. Exactly. And I, that's why I would love to talk to people about stuff like this. So talk to us. Please talk to us. Talk to us. <laughs> that's, all, that's all saying you should probably go check out our website and maybe send us a little email on our yeah. contact page. Or send us an email at uh, buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com because we just really want to hear from y'all. We really do, guys. And I just... This case blew my mind. This case is all over the place. It really is. My mind is still reeling. I'm like, there is so there's much so to much think about. There's so much evidence to prove that maybe this was fake, but there's also so much evidence to prove that, that maybe this is true and I don't know what to think and oh my God. And I'm like, s- I'm sitting here like, oh my God, I have to drive home alone in the dark and the rain and it's going to be creepy and all I'm going to be thinking about is haunted murder things. Haunted, haunted murder <laughs> things. I drive home with like, I play, I have a guilty pleasures playlist, which is all my really crappy pop music that I can't help but love. And I put that on and I make it really, really, really loud. And then I, like, can't look in my rearview mirror because I'm afraid there's going to be something in my backseat. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) But it's fine. I'm an adult, guys. Yeah, we're adults. Adults. Anyway. (laughs) So, guys, go um, listen to us anywhere you can. We have a million places you can listen to us. Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, maybe Pandora at some point when they grace us with our presence. Um, (laughs) Amazon Music. Um, You can also... Check us out on social media and yes. um, on Facebook and Instagram. We are Buzzkillers Podcast. And on 
Twitter. We are Buzzkillers Pod. Mm-hmm. Um, you can send us direct messages on there too. We are pretty. Um, we're pretty good about pretty responsive. Them back. Yeah, we're pretty responsive. So, um, tell us what you think about this case. It's kind of like a crazy roller coaster ride. So, yeah, that is a definitely good description. It was so crazy. <laughs> like the DeFeo murders plus this. There's just so many conspiracies. My, I was going to say, like, the fact that all of this is literally one house. One place. Yeah. That is, that blows my mind. And 112 Ocean Avenue does not exist anymore. If you type that in, you will not find it. They have since changed the address. Guys, do not harass the do people that live there. People. You can drive past. But don't saying, harass them. Drive past. Don't sit outside their house. Don't stand in the street and take photos. Do not steal things from their property, you fuck nuts. It's <laughs> <laughs> wrong. That happened in the 70s. So <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but there are still some creepy people out there. I know personally, like, oh, we're talking about Evan Lorraine Warren. I lived in Massachusetts, and where I lived in Massachusetts, I was very close to the border of Rhode Island. And if anybody knows about Ed Lorraine Warren, you know about The Conjuring. And The Conjuring House is actually in Rhode Island. And I have seen it. Yes, I have driven past it. They recently sold it, if you know anything about it. And it was featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures. They did a live Halloween special there. Oh, their museum, right? Um, no, it is like the house house. The house house? It is like the house. Oh, wow. Where all of this is supposed to have happened. Oh, the Conjuring House. I'm the sorry, Conjuring I House. Thought you were, oh, I thought you were talking about the Ed and Lorraine Warren's house. No, no, no. This is the Conjuring House, and it's it's in Rhode Island. And I know, I mean, I saw it before it was sold to the current owners. And when you'd go by, it's on it's on a pretty... I wouldn't say like a main street, but it's like a normal suburban yeah. suburban area. Yeah. And it's pretty close to the road, but they have huge fences and there was a bunch of no trespassing signs. And you could tell like they had cameras everywhere. They had issues with trespassers. Uh, and it's just so crappy. Like They're I, trying to just live their life. These are people that just bought a home and they want to live their life. Unless they're open to it and they've like made the place a museum or like the Lizzie Borden house. It's like a bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. Leave these people alone, guys. That's not cool. It's cool. cool. Like, drive past, take your cell phone photo, and keep driving. Don't be a jerk. Don't put people (laughs) in the picture. Yeah, I was going to say, don't harass, because if you get the police called on you, I'm not going to feel bad for you. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't go there. Like, (laughs) we did. Look, and I will will not lie. I drove past, we went, when we drove past the Conjuring House, we, like, drove past, turned around, drove back. But, like, we never, like, slowed down and stopped in the middle of the road. I mean, we and, did like, that with the Jamelski house. We drove back past. We, we were like, look, 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 We, like, drove past at, like, normal speed. We were like, look, there it is. Like, don't, don't be a jerk. <laughs> just, just don't be a jerk. But, like. Don't be suspicious. Yeah, that too. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> don't be suspicious. Don't, don't be suspicious. suspicious. So just don't do it, okay? Um, respect. Anyway, have respect. Have respect for people and their privacy in their homes. Um. So anyway, that's that's that case. We're done. Yeah. We're done for today. God, I feel like I just talked a lot. What a day we've it had is, a day here. I guys. I say I showed up at your house at what like two in the afternoon. Three. Okay. No two. I don't even like remember. A little after 2 o'clock. And it is now 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, okay, the, let me tell you guys. We Never have not spent this, time. we have not spent this entire time recording. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I showed up, we went and bought lights for Macy's car so she they could were dead. F- fix her taillights. 
And then we got subs at a sub place. And then we came back. And we, we recorded part one. And then middle of taking a break for part between part one and two, we were like, let's go to Walmart. Let's go see if Walmart has discount Halloween candy. They don't. <laughs> they don't. They were, it was freaking gone, guys. All the costumes. I Literally. Like, I don't want this. Guys, it is November 1st. At freaking, it was like, by the time we got there, it was like probably six o'clock. And we were, there was Nothing. nothing. There is not a thing so left. Bummer. And so bummer. we came back and now we're recording part two and now we're done. We are done. So we will come back at you next week with Nicole's <laughs> next episode. And a special guest. Well, well, I guess it's not next week. It's like Sunday because this is going to come out Friday. Oh my God. Yeah. So we'll come so back like, at you Sunday holy for a crap. new episode. So like just have some party fun on Friday night and it's Friday. Listen to some podcasts Friday. by Nicole Gotta get Macy. down on Friday. Friday. Yeah, I'm a singer. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so chill for a couple days and we'll be back at you this we'll Sunday. We'll be back at you on Sunday with Nicole's next episode. And so. a special guest. Yes, and a special guest. We're pumped. Guys, I I mean, okay, so here's the thing. I love my guest, but it's not like... I'm probably like everybody's like oh my god a special guest they're gonna be like it's like some psychologists are like no 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 some special it's just like a like, friend of ours it is like a friend so <laughs> a friend who's also into true crime and who has some cool things to she say. has some awesome fucking stories guys and I know we're gonna come at you with a couple special things this time and but definitely a couple minis maybe yeah you know? so get ready You'll for that have shit some extra content I don't know why November is the month where we have all this extra content I know <laughs> so we hope you guys enjoy it and um we'll Catch you next time. Next time. Okay, bye. Bye.